this is Kevin Brooker, and we are cruising through retirement. We are closing in on 2022, and if you're closing in on retirement, stick around. On today's show, we're going to outline how retirement is going to be different in 2022. found Cruising Through Retirement with Kevin Brooker. Kevin is an investment advisor representative with more than 30 years experience. He's helped thousands of people cruise through retirement, and he'd be happy to help you too. Stick around for today's adventure on Cruising Through Retirement. Welcome in, everybody. Consumer advocate Steve Siddall here, and Kevin Brooker is there. Kevin is a fiduciary, investment advisor representative. Silverleaf Financial is where you find him. 30-plus years in the business, Silverleaf silverleaffinancial.com. That's the website. Hi, Kevin. How's things? Things are great. Always good to be here, Steve. Well, so <laughs> we were just talking a minute ago off the air about, you know, what's going on. And uh, you, I'm going to get you a kind of a quote of you as well. The Fed didn't care. <laughs> the, yeah. the market didn't care what the Fed did. The, the, market, the market didn't care. You, you know what? Actually, um, I should rephrase that. The market was happy. With the market the was said. happy. All right. Yes, sure. the market was happy because you know how you know what's going to happen in the next, you know, in the next few days, next couple of weeks, depending on where you're at, I guess. The, the analysis is going to come out, right? So all the market strategists and analysts and researchers, they're all parsing every single word of those Fed releases. I don't know if you guys have, have watched that before, but they truly do look at every single word that they use. And then they compare it to the previous meetings, and then they see what changed. And then that's when they make their opinion about how, how, you know, how are they happy with it or not happy with it. And But if you look at the trade of the market, though, it was actually trending down a little bit today. And then right around two o'clock Eastern, um, you know, which is right after, basically right after the Fed releases their statements, they just concluded their two-day meeting. And essentially what they said is that they're going to cut back on their bond purchases, which we're calling the, the, uh, the taper, if you will. And so, so, so those of you that don't know, the Fed's been buying $120 billion a month of U.S. government bonds to, keep artif to artificially keep interest rates low. Like other central banks all around the world, it's not just the United States. And so that's how they keep them. They've been keeping the rates so low to stimulate the economy. And so now what they're doing is this movement acknowledges that the economy is coming back in a faster rate and doing better. So that's why the market rallied, because it demonstrates that the Fed has confidence that the economy is doing well and we can start to kind of pull away the punch bowl, if you will. And and so therefore, we wound up hitting record highs again. Nasdaq rallied over over one percent and the Dow finished up with a gain of about one oh four, I believe. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I've been looking at these records. It's, it's quite something to watch those numbers keep going up. You, you know what, Steve, it's amazing. I'll tell you, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll let everybody know something is that, you know, as, as a person that manages money and you have people doing rollovers, so they're bringing in large, large pieces of money at one time, it, you, you want to get the best price possible for everybody. And, and you hate to buy something and see it down the next day. Uh, and, but it, so, so what I'm saying is when you're putting new money to work, it's very difficult when we have a market like this, in, in my view, because we've hit, you know what, speaking of record highs, we've hit over 60 record highs in the markets just this year alone. Wow. Just as, just as, it's more than one a week, right? Yeah, and, exactly. We're not done with a year yet. Yeah. And, and so those of us that have been in the market for a while say, you know what, we need, there should be a correction. We should have a little break. We should, you know, and we did, right? We did have a correction. 
what, what was that? Maybe a month ago, three, four weeks ago, we had market dropped, I think maybe 5% from its sure, high. Yeah, but, but it, it didn't last long. It, no, it's not. That's the thing. If you look back the last few years, these corrections are getting shorter and shorter and shorter. And, and uh, you know, my conclusion, I think it's because there's so much money on the sideline. I think it's because there's so much money has come into the economy and come into the system that a lot of folks have more cash, you know, than they might have had, let's say, otherwise, you know, with all the stimulus programs and everything that's happened. Uh, there's a lot of cash floating around. And and I and so what happens is each time we see a little bit of weakness in the market, the people that have money on the side say, you know what, this is a good opportunity. I, I, at least I can buy a little discount. And they put the money to work and that creates the support. And and so what I like to do when we go into the market, you know, with rollovers and, and things like that is I like to do it gradually so that I can try to take advantage of some price weakness. You know, maybe I can buy something at least down at least one or two percent, maybe. But it's really hard. <laughs> it's hard when you're putting new money to work. And you're looking at record highs on the market. Right. Exactly. And and so are you still feeling pretty optimistic about things? Do you think things are going to continue this way? I, I mean, how do we know? You I know, guess, but well, you well, the truth is none of us really know, right? But right. but we go we go with our, our our best educated, you know, opinion or guess. Um and, and you know what is what what it tells me, this market reaction, and, and remember, guys, the market's up over twenty percent this year. The S P uh, the S and P 500, I believe it today's close is up 22% for the year. Um, you know, NASDAQ, I think is about the same. And, and so the markets are doing well, right? A 20% gain in one year. I mean, most people would look at that and say, that's a fantastic year. You know, we still have a couple months to go. Sure. And, you know, but my opinion, Steve, is that I think we can keep on growing. I don't, I don't, I'm not saying we're going to see another 20% in the next year, but I do think we can see high single digits you know, eight, nine, maybe 10% in the next 12 months. Because what I personally, pardon me, what I would like to see is, is for the, for the market to kind of trade sideways a little bit. In other words, to let the earnings catch up with the market, because in my opinion, the market has been kind of trading forward with anticipated growth. Uh, and, and, and we say it's kind of pulled forward earnings. And that means instead of trading on 2022 earnings, it's kind of trading on 2023's earnings. And, and, and so when I say I'd like it to trade sideways, that means that, you know, if, if we went sideways for a couple of quarters, then what that means is these companies that are growing, right, they're growing 20, 30, 40% a year, a lot of these growth stocks, that gives those earnings time to catch up with the valuation that the market has. And so I think that would be healthy. It doesn't mean we have to see a correction. I do think we can keep on growing as long as, long as the Fed is doing what they're doing. In other words, interest rates stay low. I think as long as they stay below, you know, two percent or so to me that's very attractive for the stock market well sure i mean because people are comfortable there yeah well you come well you know what the conversation that i have with with virtually everybody every client every investor is where else can i put my money where else can i put the money to get reasonable you know growth that's going to exceed the rate of inflation right mm -hmm. where can i get that you can't get it at a bank cd paying you half a percent or you know maybe one percent i guess if you do it like a five years bank cd but guys, inflation is ticking over 3%. So if you're not making at least a 3% return, you're actually losing buying power. And, and I think a terrible thing for anybody to do, but especially somebody that's retired, that's living on a fixed income, if you start to lose buying power, if you do that consistently year after year, your standard of living is going to suffer after t as at some point in time, your standard of living is going to suffer. Of course. Because you're, you're not, right? Because you're not keeping up with, with the rate of inflation. Uh, so I do think it's important, you know, that we that we keep money invested in the market. It doesn't mean you have to be, you know, 100 percent stocks. I, I, I wouldn't recommend that unless that's exactly what you want. Um, most people 
you know, we put a percentage, you know, we talk about the old 60, 40 portfolio and things like that. Um, you know, part of it in bonds, part of it in stocks, you know, but that part's become a lot more challenging too, because interest rates are so low. So, so you have to be a lot more strategic and a lot more tactical, if you will, I think to, to be successful. Right. Well, all right. So we feel good about the market. Things look pretty good right now. Um, how are we feeling about peer growth? Yay. You know what? I am glad, I'm glad you brought that up because I was, peer growth is back. Okay. And, all right. And, and I, and I believe, uh, you know, for those, anybody that's listened in the past, um, this is a trading portfolio where I keep a concentrated portfolio of, it can be anywhere from five to 10 stocks, but it's concentrated like that because I'm trying to show uh, that I have a, 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 a good way to find winning stocks. And that's what I'm trying to demonstrate is that I can help you find winning stocks and we can be, you know, tactical about it uh, when we buy them. And then, and then I, I call it strategic when we add them to a portfolio. So I've got clients that might be 80% conservative and they say, you know what, let's put 20% in, in, in for some more, for some more growth oriented vehicles, like individual stocks that we can try to get a little bit more growth from the account. And this is total, it's totally optional guys. Everybody that I work with has their own custom portfolio. Every client is different. Every portfolio is different, except for husbands and wives when they say, you know, we, we want it to be the same. Right, of course. Um, you know, but for the most part, everybody's different. I don't do, this isn't a computer program trade where you fill out a couple boxes and then we say, okay, you belong in A, B, and C, and this is your percentage in each one. All right. And, and that's what you get from a lot of the program, you know, the computer traders um, that are out there. And, but you can save money if that's what you're looking for. Um, I, I, I tell you what, I think a good advisor is going to make you the, make you their, their fees multiple times over, and they're probably going to help you avoid some mistakes, right. That say that could, you know, avoid mistakes that could have cost you money as well. So a good advisor is going to be well worth the investment and the time and the effort. I would encourage everybody to have an advisor. Yeah. I'd love it to be me, but if it's not, I just ha ha recommend you find a fiduciary that's independent. That's looking out for your needs first. 800-975-6717. That's how you can reach out to Kevin. 800-975-6717. You can also find him at silverleaffinancial.com. You can connect with him directly there. So pure growth, uh, you, you said pure growth is back. I know you had a lot of money in cash. You were kind of laying yeah. low for the last I, month or so, I guess. The, the last few months, actually. Yeah, the last few months. Uh, you, you know what, guys? This is a strategy that I put that I put together. This isn't this isn't me, you know, standing around a water cooler trying to get ideas on stocks. <laughs> yeah, thank God. All right. <laughs> and hey, if that works for you, then more power to you. Um, personally, I've tried. I've tried all. All. I can't tell you how many different strategies and newsletters and recommendations and research departments and research companies that I've tried over my thirty plus years in the business to try to find that you know what's the answer? What what is successful that can be successful, you know, on a consistent basis? You know, anybody can pick a stock or two and get lucky and see them go up. Sure. The question is, you know, do you know when to sell? And can you do it on a consistent basis? Because it's not just buying it, it's knowing when to sell it, right? And uh, the old, what is that, Kenny Rogers? I think there's a song in there somewhere. <laughs> exactly. No one to hold them, <laughs> no one to fold them. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> just, so, uh, so, yeah, Kenny knew what he was talking about. Um, you know, and it's important, you know. And, and so what I do, I, I, I followed some rules-based strategy and, and I buy I pay for independent research. First of all, guys, I pay for independent research from various firms. I've got a handful of firms that I get research from that I pay them for. There's nothing under the table. I'm not, you know, or doing it for money flow or order flow or anything like that. It's simply paying them the old fashioned way. And, and that's all they do is provide research. Okay. They're not investment banks that might, you know, have a conflict of interest. They are purely researchers that sell research to investment guys like me. And, and so I start off with their recommendations 
and then I run it through my filters, which I've gotten from other sources over the years um, that have proven proven to be successful. And these are called rules-based strategies where you make an investment based on finding a stock that you filter through your computer, you run it through numerous screens, like it could be earnings-based or revenue or any number of things. It could be insider activity. It could be based on technical analysis and the graphs and the chart patterns and, and the trading patterns. Uh, there, we, and we put it all in there. I like fundamental and technical analysis. I put it all together and that's why I wound up p- picking a stock. So, so on pure growth, we were up to, on today's gain, the market, uh, well, the NASDAQ was up 1.04%. S&P was up 065 Pure growth was up 3.05% today. 3.05%. Boy, that's a complete recovery. It, it, it is. And that's what I was saying. And, and you know what? That's, and, and you know what? I'm fully, we are back fully invested. Okay. All 100% right. fully invested. All right. In, in the pure growth portfolio. Now, I, 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 I'm not always right. I don't claim to be. All right. And I tell you so far, about one out of three stocks that I've bought for this portfolio has been a loser. Um, I was wrong on the timing. And what I'm trying to do is go into there. I'm looking for a one to a three month hold generally. Some of them I'll hold longer. But again, this is to demonstrate uh, that, that we can find stocks that can make you money. That's what we're trying to do. Uh, but so far, about one out of three, I've been wrong. I try to limit the losses to you know, single digit losses, meaning four, five, six, seven, eight percent. Um, and I think if you're able to limit your losses and then hold on to your gains, let those gains run. OK, let them run. Um, and if you do it that way on a regular basis, you should wind up doing pretty well. And I'll tell you, through today's close, uh, the managed pure growth account is up thirty seven point four percent year to date. Oh, my so, gosh. Thirty seven point what? Uh, 37.4. We'll just say 37. 37%. Wow. That's amazing. And and that is net of fees, guys. Net of fees. On average, I charge about 1%, uh, but it depends on the size of your account. If you're somebody that's got a seven-figure account, I could probably save you a lot of money on fees too, because at 1 million, I'm at 0.8 and I go down, it can get all the way down to 0.3, depending on the size of the account. Wow. So, so if that's something you guys like- You're a generous guy. You know what? I- (laughs) <laughs> well, thank you for that. I'm, I'm not. I'm, don't get me wrong. We know we're not running a charity here. No, I understand. You know, but, but still, that's that's a really fair way to do things. You, you know, I, I appreciate you mentioning that, Steve. And I'll tell you something, guys. I have met a lot of folks that you know. There's a lot of people that have done really well. You've been diligent saving your money. You've been putting away your entire career, and now you're in a spot where you where where I sit down with them and they say, Kevin, I've got about three million in my stock portfolio. And I say, well, you know, I said, first of all, I say congratulations. That's a fantastic job. Um, and, and, and then we, we have a conversation and, and we get to the point about fees. There's a lot of folks that are still paying a 1% fee on a $3 million account. And so to give you guys an idea, that's 30 grand a year. All right. 1% mm-hmm. on 3 million. Okay. All right. And uh, so I'll do it for 40 basis points. And, and I believe that I can demonstrate that, um, you know, we, we can uh, show you some successful strategies. How's that? Um, but that alone on the fees to save somebody $18,000 a year. So yeah. I, you know, I, what I try to do is I want to be reasonable with my fees. I, I'm a, I'm a small firm. I don't have, you know, the, the 50 story building downtown with the, you know, the glass waterfall when you walk in and all these things, you know, I have offices on both sides of the Valley and I'm affiliated with some of the largest institutions in the world. And I've got large staff and a lot of people that work behind the scenes that help me out with everything that I do. So you might, you might only be talking to me, but it doesn't mean I'm the only person that that's working you know, on your behalf. Obviously. And, yeah. And, and you know what, and it's, and it's working really well. And, and uh, you know, I really, I, I really take a lot of pride with the fact that a lot of my clients have been with me for over 10 years, a lot of them over 20. Um, un, you know, unfortunately this past week I lost, I lost one of my, one of my older 
one of my best clients. She was with me for since 1997, 24 years. Wow. Um, and and that, I remember that's a that tough loss, isn't it? It is a tough loss because I'm, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm going to miss her. I'm going to miss the conversation sure, with her, Sure, you know, because, you know, after 20 plus years, you know, each other real, you know, pretty well. Right. Yeah, of course. And, and you know, it's not something that we would talk, you know, like every week or, or anything like that. But when we, when we did talk, it was usually like a 40, 44, like a 45 minute conversation. And, um, you know, she was a great, she was a great lady. She was, you know, we had a really good relationship. And uh, she died very unexpectedly at the age of 77. Um, she was diagnosed with cancer and less than two months later, she was gone. Wow. So, um, so guys, and, and you know what, you know, we are a finance show. I'll be very brief on this topic, but I lost my mother to a brain tumor also at the age of 77 um, because she didn't go see a doctor. We think she should have went to see a doctor. She had a lump on her back. She didn't want to go see the doctor. She put it off for months and months and months. When she finally did, it was a tumor that was malignant. Sure. All right. And I, and I've heard from uh, this client's daughter that, that, that she had some, some aches and pains that may have contributed to this. Of course, we never know. Um, but she thought she had a backache, twisted her back or something like that and thought it was going to get better. And, uh, and she put it off. She didn't go to the doctor. And then when she finally did go there, she found out she had a tumor on her spine and the tumor was malignant, spread to the organs and, and, uh, well, then it's, and it, boy, it doesn't take long then. It, it doesn't take long, guys. So, so any aches and pains, please, you know, if you, I, it doesn't matter if we do business or not, if you're feeling some aches and pains, you're not feeling good, go to your doctor, have it checked out. And, uh, so see if we can avoid, or at least, you know, put off these situations. Sure. Um, you, you know, but, uh, before I, I, I digress any further. Well, no. Okay. So uh, let's, uh, let's, uh, we, we've had some great conversations so far. And at the beginning, we talked about what, uh, what, to look forward to or what to avoid come 2022. And um, right now, uh, I mean, social security is getting a pretty big boost. Let's break that down for a minute or two. Yes. You know what, by all means, you know what, this is going to be one of the biggest increases in social security checks that most people have ever seen. And uh, so it's almost a 6% bump in the amount of your checks. So if you're getting a thousand bucks, it's going to be an extra $60 on that check. And, um, and, and it's only going to go up from there, right? Because the checks don't go down. So, so they're going to, you know, anybody that's receiving a social security check will, will get, will get a nice increase. Um, the average retiree from what I'm from what I'm hearing is, uh, in the mid 1500s now. So that'll put them in the mid 1600s, you know, like 1650 something per month. Um, you know, and they're increasing the maximums too. So, so anybody that's a high earner is going to be able to, to get a, a bigger social security check, which I, I think that's the way it should be. Seems it seems fair to me. Sure. But these are the these are the things, guys, to watch for with adjustments if Congress ever starts to tinker with these things, let's say. All right. That's something that could be adjusted. And that's I mean, if I was a congressman, that's what I would adjust. Um, I'm just saying that uh, let's enjoy these while we have them. If you're close to claiming, it makes sense for your situation. You know, if you'd like to find out if it makes sense to claim, I can help you figure that out, too. Um, generally speaking, I recommend the higher earner of the two. If you're married. Whoever has the highest income, uh, I would suggest waiting until you're 70 if you're able to, because um, that'll give you an increase of almost 8% per year, every year you wait. And, and guys, also something a lot of folks don't know is that it's, you don't have to wait. Let's say you're getting close to claiming, you know, and, and I run into this quite a bit where people are eligible and they're waiting because they want to get a bigger, you know, a bigger increase, but they also want to, but there's also something that says, maybe I should take it now, right? Um and so let me tell you something. Generally speaking, the break even on when you should claim Social Security and whether it makes sense to wait until you're 70, you know, of course, um, 
you know, there's absolutely no benefit waiting until past 70. So right. don't, definitely don't do that. Okay. Yep. Um, you want to file maybe two or three months before you turn 70. And um, generally we recommend three months. All right. But, um, but I think it's important that, that you look at, you know, um, you look at your family history, you see what their life expectancy has. You'll get your, your parents, how old they were when they passed your siblings, it, it, you know, things like that. If you're in generally good, if you're in generally good health and you have a life history in your family that exceeds 82 on average, then chances are you'd be better off from waiting to collect. Uh, none of us ever know for sure. But what you're doing is when you're waiting to claim, you're obviously not collecting any money, right? Right. So, so we have to get to the point where you earned back all the money you would have collected plus getting ahead of, of that point, right? Right. So, so, so we call that the break-even point. It generally takes 10 to 12 years. So in other words, if you wait till you're 70, your break-even is probably around 81 or 82. That's going to be, that's my best estimate of where it'll be. It's generally uh, the widest range I've seen is 80 to 83 okay. for most folks. So, so that's what, that's what I like to mention is, you know, consider that age and, and how confident you are about, you know, about living well past that. I've, you know, I, I meet a lot of folks that are in the late eighties into their nineties. You know, my father made it to 93, um, you know, so he would have been, he would have benefited tremendously if he had waited a little bit longer to collect. Um, he didn't, but luckily he had a pension that helped him get through retirement. Sure. So let me ask you this. So 5.9% is what the uh, boost is going to be, the cost of living adjustment for Social Security. And is that just because inflation has has sort of reared its ugly head? Yeah, there, the, it, it has. It's tied to inflation. The government uses their, their own inflation indicators, which is actually, uh, as I understand it, it's still based on an urban index. Um, you know, which some people say is not actually the rate of inflation that most people will pay because everybody really has their own rate of inflation, depending on the services you buy and, and the goods that you purchase. Right. Right. So so depending on what you buy, for instance, if you've been sending kids to college for the last several years, you're probably paying a little higher inflation than than others. You know, so it all depends. You know, like if you if you if you do a lot of driving. Right. Yep. And you're you're paying for a lot of gas, then your rate of inflation has gone up a lot higher than 5.9%. Oh, right? sure. You, you know, cause gas prices, I couldn't believe it. I filled up my wife's vehicle. She's got a, she got an SUV. I filled it up yesterday. It's 80 bucks. Yeah. That's a shock, <laughs> isn't it? I, I was shocked. I don't, I don't think of, I don't remember ever paying that much. Maybe I blacked it out because I didn't want to remember it. Right. But, <laughs> you know, but I'm like $80. Holy cow. Um, you, you know, so, uh, so we, Depending on what you actually purchase, that determines your own rate of inflation. But that's essentially what it is. They're looking at the government indexes to figure out that five point nine percent increase. Okay, and again, like you said, the uh, the the biggest check is going up as well, and uh, also yeah. the the cap on how much people pay into Social Security. Uh, you know, this is for the high earners as well, but that yes. goes up every year, and it's going up a little bit more this year. You know what? And that's the one that really that personal. That's a personal pet peeve of mine. I I can't stand that provision. Uh, most people don't realize that you stop paying into social security. Now you keep on paying into Medicare, but you stop paying into social security. You know, this year it was what? 142, 143. Yep. And, and next year it's going to jump to 147. So what that means is after you make like, let's say for next year at 147, that means up until 147,000 income, you're paying the full amount into social security like everybody else. Right. But once you're, but that income over 147, they're not putting a penny into social security anymore. And, and I think that's, think about all the people, granted, it's only six or 7% of the population. All right. Right. But that 6% make, can, they control the majority of wealth in the country. All right. They control the majority of the wealth and they're making far more than 147. A lot of these folks are making in the millions. 
millions and millions. I mean, there are people that have made billions, billions in one year. I remember, I remember, gosh, maybe 30 years ago, Michael Milken had a year where he made $550 million before he went to jail. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's that. (laughs) There is that. But, but, but I'm just saying, you know, the, the income, if you really look at the income tables and the tax tables, they don't make it to me. They don't make sense because they stop as though there's nobody making over whatever. I don't know, half a million dollars. Why aren't there more tax brackets? Many, 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 many more tax brackets as you go so far up that income scale. I, I, I just think the times haven't kept up with it. And I also realize that most politicians become very wealthy after they're elected. So, hmm. um, How does so that work? think about that. <laughs> think about that for a second. <laughs> and then you might know why there's a cap on when you can, how much you contribute to Social Security. Right. Although I don't, you know, it's, it, it's just something that's, that's a clear... Steve, don't you think that is a clear, simple, easy way that the government could raise more money for Social Security? Well, absolutely. Eliminate, eliminate the cap on payroll tax. Yeah, right? I just, it doesn't make sense. Get rid of it, right? Just get rid of it. Because if we're only talking 6 or 7% of the population, that means the other 94%, I would think, would agree with that because it's not going to affect them, right? Right. So why wouldn't they agree with it? That's another way we can bring an extra revenue to the system. Doesn't cost, you know, by definition, only people making over 147 would pay it. Right. Right. So, so to, to me, it, I just think, uh, you know, I, I think that's something that that should be that should be eliminated is my view. Well, and so, I think, too, that I mean, I'm, I'm comfortable with them putting a cap on the on the, you know, however much, you know, the maximum Social Security that doesn't need to go up. No, I don't I don't really think it does. I, I mean, I think we need to step back and remember what we're what this is really supposed to be doing. I right. think I think when didn't when they when this came out, didn't they call this like the Widows and Orphans Fund? Something, something like, like that. that. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'm confused. Maybe I'm confusing I it. I think but it's, there's some variation of that. Yeah. It's, you know what, this, this was never, this was social security was started right after the depression, right? In the, in the, what, 1933, I believe it was. Uh, yeah, when, 1935, when, it was signed into law. They cut the first check in 1940. There you go. Okay. So brought into place after the depression because of the bread lines and, and, and just the poverty that, that, that they were seeing. And, and so this was just something that was designed to be supplemental for retirement uh, to help folks out that don't have a lot of wealth, just to help them to make sure they can get by, right? But it was it was always only designed to be a one leg of essentially a three leg stool. You know, the other two legs was your personal savings, and then any type of pension plan that you might have, right? Um, you know, because back in that day, I guess everybody you know, everybody had a pension. Well, but, sure. You know, but it's not like that now. No, because, uh, you know, I mean, uh, Ted Banna found uh, the the provision for the 401k and, and said, OK, this might be a great way to supplement, you know, a pension even. And, oh, yeah. And then yeah. and then companies said, well, we'll forget the pension. We'll just use forget, that. We'll forget. The, that's right. Yeah. Why do we have to stay on the hook after you? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so and, and that, that's where a lot of states like, for instance, I'm from Illinois. That's where the state of Illinois if you look at the agreements that they made with the unions and the pensions that they're paying, it's no question. It's no wonder that you know they're basically insolvent. Um, I mean, it. You've got people that work for twenty years and then you pay them a pension for forty or fifty. It, it doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, the math um, doesn't work. No, the math doesn't work, which is why tax rates are going up and why I think Illinois is leading the country with people that are you know net migration away, meaning more people are leaving the state than coming into it. Uh, for instance, in Maricopa County here, uh, I believe the latest numbers is, is just below 100,000 people. I want to say it's something like 85 or 90,000 people per year. More are moving in than are moving out. 
so so it's which is which is generally it's been in the top five fastest growing counties in the country for the last several years. Um, and, and you know, so so come on out to Arizona, you know, and 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 check it out if you're if you're just here for part of the time, guys. Um, you, you know, I I think that it's important that people look at guaranteed sources of income when you get into retirement. And so, if you don't have a pension, if you just have your Social Security, then maybe we should talk about how you're going to generate income in retirement, right? Because if you're gonna if you got it from a stock portfolio, then you 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 know there's a possibility you could lose money, which means there's a possibility you could lose an income source. And so. There are ways we can set up guaranteed income or guaranteed products that are safe. And I can, we can just set up a withdrawal strategy from those. Because one thing that a lot of folks um, might realize, if they've looked into it, then you might realize that some of these income products can have high fees, right? How about if I can show you how you can eliminate the fee and avoid the fee entirely, and I can still get you that lifetime income without taking a chance of losing money? Because there are ways we can do that too. Okay. So, well, that's, I mean, that's very intriguing. Yeah, well, that's that's what I'm going for. <laughs> that's what I'm going for. You know, um, there, there's a lot of strategies out there that we can put together. You know, that that can help protect the portfolio. You know, from suffering a major loss. Um, you notice I didn't say suffering from avoid suffering any loss because most of the strategies, if we have conservative strategies, if the market drops thirty percent, they'll probably drop ten to fifteen percent. But if a, if it's a terrible market, they're most likely still going to go down though. And so if somebody says to me, they don't want to take a chance on losing a dime at all for, I've got this, a lot of folks say, Hey, you know, Kevin, this money over here, this 200,000, I want to keep it safe. So no matter what, I just want to keep it safe. This other half a million, I'm fine. We put that in the stock market. A lot of folks do things like that. And, and, but we, but by doing it that way, you know exactly what to expect from each account. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, and so there's, there are ways we can invest the money safely. And if we continue to have good markets, you'll make good returns in the neighborhood of six, seven, eight percent, you know, because they're tied to the indexes, but they don't lose money if the markets go down. So so to me, it's a good hedge. It's a good way, you know, to protect some of the assets that you have. Um, and you should stay ahead of inflation. Uh, as I said, for the last 10 years, these have averaged better than seven percent. So personally, I think that's a very good return for, for an investment that has no market risk. Well, and again, you mentioned inflation, and, and I mean that that is coming into play again. But it it doesn't seem to it's it's weird this time. So I know people always say it's different this time, but it does seem different this time. <laughs> yes, it does, and and you know I, I I don't know what it is. That's a uh, uh, something I um, somebody smarter than me will have to figure that one out or answer it. But yeah, it always, it always seems different. It does always seem different. Um, you know, there's always some some underlying characteristics that you could point to that would be similar. You know, but um, the situation we've gone through in the last couple of years, you know, with the pandemic and, you know, all the, you know, the economies and the world essentially shutting down. Right. Mm -hmm. And then and then trying to restart and reopen and, and, and everything with vaccinations and trying to get people back to work and and everything that it's involved and everything that's spun off of that. Um, it's just been it's been a little bit crazy, I would say. A little bit. And, and mm -hmm. you know, and not to mention the central bank. I don't think we've ever had a period in history where our central bank is, has pumped so much money into the system and taken so many steps and, and taken so much action to try to, to try to keep the economy moving forward. And, and you know what? I'm actually going to say they did a hell of a job. I think, I think the Fed has done a fantastic job. Um, we did not go into a depression, right? Guys, you know, this could have been far, far worse economically than what we went through in the last few years. And, and so I do think that the central bank deserves some credit because it's, it, it's in large, large part due to the central bank that our stock markets are up 22% for the year. 
Yeah. Wow. I like it. So, um, what a great, what a great conversation, Kevin, as always. And I mean, the, the, the time we talked about the market, what it does, how it got there, what it continues to do. Fascinating stuff. I like it. Oh, hey, I appreciate that, Steve. And, and guys, if you'd like to know some of the picks, I mentioned pure growth at a 3% gain today. You know, one of our stocks was Matson up 4.8. Another was Ryder up two and a half. Another was Group One Automotive up almost 4%. And then the big one, Hibbit Sports, up over 10% on the day. Holy cow. What's Hibbit Sports? What do they do? Uh, well, that's actually Sporting Goods. Sporting Goods, <laughs> sporting that's goods. it. Okay, just like it they're sounds. Sport- yeah, they're just exactly like it sounds. Sporting Goods. These And these are not recommendations. Uh, these right. are stocks that I've, that we already own. Okay, so, so it all depends on your individual situation as to whether they make sense for you. I just wanted to give you guys a couple names if you want to check them out. I, th- I appreciate that. That's kind of that's sort of a little insight into your uh, how your thought process goes. But like you said, you spend a lot of time doing the research, doing the technicals, as they say. Right? Yeah. Oh my gosh, yes, I do spend a lot of time, and 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 uh, and I pay quite a bit of money for the research that I get, which is my starting point. Um, you know, so I'm starting off with top recommendations from this, from the people that I, that I, that I hire. And, and so that's my starting point. Yeah. So everything they should, everything they show me is rated to buy, you know what I mean? Yep. But I don't, I don't buy all of them. I just, I, I find what I feel are the best ones and, and that's what I go forward with. All right. So, uh, what are your thoughts as we leave for the week? You know what guys, my, my, my thoughts are guys, if you, if you, if you have money to invest, I would do it gradually. We, we haven't seen a lot of corrections in this market. We talked about all the new highs. Do it gradually. Maybe put it in over the next few months, you know, because we, we, there's always a chance we see a little bit of weakness. And so whatever you're planning to buy, make a list, write it down, and then see if you can't buy something on sale. Maybe you get a little better price, but if not, you'll still be in there because you're buying it gradually. Information provided is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute investment tax or legal advice. The covered material has been obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. There are risks associated with every type of investment vehicle. Please read the prospectus and risk disclosures thoroughly before investing. Insurance guarantees are subject to the insurance company's ability to pay. Neither Silverleaf Financial, Kevin Brooker, hosts, and guests are responsible for the usage of information discussed. Security and investment services offered through Silverleaf Financial, member FINRA SIPC. Please consult with an experienced advisor before making any investment decisions.